days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time, and we had a big day yesterday, and we want to kind of take a look at everything we saw so far, go over it, go over the big takeaways that we saw at training camp. Yeah, I mean, the big the big takeaways are the things we wanted to focus on. Uh, a lot of channels and a lot of people take, they do their big takeaways, right? They do the good and the bad. We don't want to focus on the bad right now. We want to focus on the good aspects of the things that we saw and some of the things that are surprising to us or surprised us, because there are some things that happened on day nine that we looked at and we're like, wow, I honestly didn't expect that. We expected things to go a little differently or to to shift a little differently, and it didn't happen. Um, so we're going to get into that right now. But before we do, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit that like button. Share it with the rest of the faithful. Let them know the Cutback Crew is live and in full force this morning at 11 a.m. Like we always are daily, except for Fridays, which, you know, those are live streams at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. And if you didn't know that because you're a new one of the newer members, members of the channel, which you can see down there, bottom left of the screen right now a lot of new subscribers just right True. there we've had a lot of new subscribers over the past 24 hours welcome all of you to the cutback crew this is the typical layout and the typical experience you'll get unless we're live from levi's or live from a lot somewhere or you know just doing crazy things a lot of things changing on the channel yeah it, yesterday was a blast it really oh, was yeah. and we got to witness things you know um in person and I think we had a certain idea of what everyone was portraying from camp as far as, you know, how players were looking, how things were going overall. And we were able to get our eyes on it and see if those things were um, accurate. You know, some of them ver are very much worse. Some of them weren't. Um, and that's one thing we said is, hey, if it was accurate what these people are reporting, we're going to go ahead and make sure we tell, yes, that's 100% accurate. If it's not, um, we're going to tell you also because we want to be um, transparent and truthful about these situations. Um, you know, and I heard, I mean, people really thought that we were um, completely um jimmy fanboys um after yesterday which was crazy to me because i thought i was trying to be crystal clear on the fact that i didn't think jimmy had a great day and i didn't think trey had a great day um both were good but neither one of them were uh, were great and they didn't look completely clean you know in the way they were handling the game uh reps were i mean yeah jimmy was still searching for people to throw to he was a little bit inconsistent in the pocket sometimes um so that's definitely not what we were trying to portray um, so make sure you stick around as far as finding out the entire you know description of what we're talking about because um, we're going to get into everything and the, any any questions people have lay them out there we're going to really get into it about how these players were looking and what the actual takeaways were um, because we took notes and I sat there and I just you know took it all in um, and I thought that it actually was a fun time but I was there to kind of witness see and um, develop my opinion on what I see so far. Correct. That's, that was the goal of yesterday. Yesterday was was as much of a business trip as it was, you know, getting the experience as a fan. Yeah. Um, and so for us, we, we kind of took it in stride. We Especially when we got in there, digest the environment, digest the situation, you know, enjoy the fact that we're one of the, you know, however many people, 10,000. It was over 19,000. 19, we were yeah. one of 19,000 people, right, all of us that were there in Levi's for the first time since the 2019 season, since that NFC Championship game as Greg Papa. So, you know energetically pointed out at the no, let's not bring him up please. okay my apologies <laughs> uh look so we we were excited just to be there we wanted to you know take that all in and enjoy the environment but then also when things get down to business when it's time for practice making sure that we're you know 
paying attention to what's going on, not getting caught up in the moment, not getting caught up with Nick Bosa doing stuff away from the team the whole time, you know, trying to really divert our attention to as many different players, as many different yeah. positions as we possibly could. Uh, James Vega, you had brought up a great question about Jimmy and the possibility of being, being traded. We'll get to that. We can get to that in a little bit. I want to put that on the back burner because we could probably, if we really wanted to, we could dive into the quarterback competition for the entirety of this this stream and for this episode, right? We could do that, yeah. but that would be a disservice to the rest of this roster because there were a lot of things to take away from yesterday. And in all honesty, the quarterback position, as you had talked about, Ant, wasn't one of them. Yeah. It wasn't a big takeaway from it. Both guys underperformed. Trey did not have a great day. Trey missed some throws. Trey didn't have a lot of time, especially during team activities and team drills. He wasn't able to get comfortable in the pocket. He struggled over the middle a little bit. Um, the deep ball looked great. He, he did. did have the one time where he overthrew Juwan Jennings on a corner route that almost got picked off. That was one of his. That was probably his worst deep throw of the day, and it was probably the only bad deep ball that he threw all day long that I can remember. Um, but he has he had his weaknesses and he had his struggles. Jimmy had just as many as well. Um, Jimmy struggled pushing the ball downfield. He wasn't consistent. He threw it to some double coverages sometimes, which is something Jimmy does at times. He tries to force the ball into guys that he necessarily shouldn't do. Um, and then there were times right where he just held on the ball and couldn't find anybody or couldn't find couldn't find the right guy to potentially put the ball up to to try and go make a play, held on to the ball too long, and those are going to end up being sacks in regular season games. Yeah. Um, I think one big takeaway was Trey is 100% that guy when it comes to deep passes. Oh, yeah. Um, it looks fantastic. Um, the ball is right where it needs to be. Um, so he does that very well. So as far as a deep ball thrower, he he is the best you know quarterback on the 49ers roster in, in that regard. Um, um, throws outside the numbers on out patterns and stuff like that. He does push the ball. The ball elevates some and sometimes gets away. Um, he still gets there most of the time with anticipation, gets the ball out into the right spots. But there are times where it will float on him. So that is something that we saw. And with Jimmy, you're right. The over-the-middle passes, you know, intermediate passes, he was successful. But anything that started getting over, you know, 18 to 20 yards, you know, down the field, uh, it looked forced. It didn't look comfortable all the time. It, at, at, yeah. at times, right, with Jimmy, the ball, it floats a little bit. It doesn't have that same zip once you get that 18 to 20 yards. He, sometimes it feels like it puts too much air under the football. And so it's hanging. And you've got fast receivers and the ball's hanging in the air like that. They can outrun that ball. So now the ball's behind him or maybe not in the same spot that he thought. Um, there, there was that goal line situation where Ayuk ran, Ayuk ran a little stop route in the middle of the field. Jimmy bought some time in the pocket, starts scrambling out to his left, gets away from a couple defenders. He's pointing towards the corner of the end zone for Ayuk to break his route off and start taking it from the middle of the end zone, back of the end zone, towards that pylon, towards that left corner. And Ayuk starts to go, right? Jimmy puts the ball up and just floats it. And the ball ends up, you know, inside of Ayuk and short almost in a situation where if he just throws the ball to the pylon and lets Brandon Ayuk try and run out there and make a play, maybe he can. Yeah, but that's Jimmy throwing off platform. Correct. I mean, Jimmy's not going to throw off platform the way Trey throws off no, platform. No, not the same. Um, you know, he, he is trying. I mean, Jimmy's out there really trying to develop his game. And, you know, I think when he started looking the best is when he got back to doing what Jimmy does. The intermediate routes over the middle, throwing with anticipation in rhythm. Um, and I thought that was that was why he looked better at as 11 on 11s went. He got better as that went on, um, where it was just kind of before that, he was just a little all over the place. Um, so I thought both guys, you know, I, once again, I don't want to, I'm not going to say they didn't look good because I thought both guys looked good. They, they just did, they didn't, they weren't crisp. They didn't have like a great, you know, flawless day, um, which I know we've, we've heard, we've gotten from Trey early on in, in training camp, but that wasn't there. Um, and I think, you know, I, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but him checking 
um, plays and them not working, I think was a big sign for me that, you know what, Trey's still learning this offense. He's still learning the reads. Um, let's be patient. That was the big takeaway for me was the can-can. That should have been a not-can. <laughs> they yeah. shouldn't have can-canned into that play. And you and I both, I think that was the, the part for me that was enjoyable in that scenario. He can-canned. I kind of looked down at you. You kind of gave me a little look like, okay, there's a, there's a call. Let's see what happens. And then the play immediately gets blown up. And both of us immediately turned our attention to Kyle Shanahan, right? Yeah. What is his reaction going to be? Because if his reaction is, is to go to the line coach or go to a lineman and be upset, it's like, okay, Trey, Trey canned correctly. Someone made a mistake somewhere. Right. And the fact that they can can and Kyle Shanahan, as the play's getting blown up, turns and walks away in just absolute frustration. Like, I cannot believe we just did that. It's like, okay, uh, something something's not right there. Something wasn't communicated correctly. They shouldn't have done that. Well, it's nice that this happens in, in camp. You want That's where you want it to happen. You want yeah. him to make those mistakes because now they can go back on film, show the play, um, really look at how the alignment was and be like, all right, Trey, you should have done this. That is 100% what we're looking for. That's why it's nice that he's getting, you know, the amount of reps that he's getting. Um, so, yeah, overall, that was that was kind of a big takeaway was the strengths of those two quarterbacks were on display and their weaknesses too also were on, on display. On display. Um, neither one of them is superhuman, which I think we understood, even though it's been you know put out there that someone is superhuman. Um, it's just right now he's he's not there. Eventually he's going to be bulletproof and he's going to be out there you know causing issues. But um, the, another takeaway because we talked about it a little bit with the can can is um, the offensive line looked really good. The first offensive line. Yes. Um, the farther you get into the depth, it gets a little bit you know shady at times. Mm -hmm. um, but that that first team offensive line looked good. Um, you know, and I thought that overall they were passing off defenders, um, doing a very good job. There was a lot of times Jimmy Garoppolo had clean pockets. And the fact that there were times when you were saying that would have been a sack, but there was no one around him. Um, just because the defense was covering so long and the quarterback is still looking for someone, but the offensive line did a really good job of keeping that quarterback protected five, six seconds at times, which is impressive against this defensive line. It is. And listen, yesterday was one of those days where Shanahan talked about on Friday the D-line being wounded. It was wounded on Saturday. I mean, if, if Friday yeah. was a wound, then then Saturday's practice was like a, a slashing of the D-line, right? It was like a it's like a all you can, you know, going out of business sale because there wasn't a single notif notify like notice starter from the from the 2020 season out there. No Bosa, no Kinlaw, no Armstead. So you're already no operating. Yeah, I mean, you're already operating without those three. Then you include the fact there was no Ford, no Ebucom. It's right. like where's the speed? Where's where's the the faces that you're familiar with? They weren't there, and so because they weren't there, you know, that first group, that second, that's technically now second group D line got a great run and a great opportunity yesterday against that first team O line. That first team O line showed out. They had a great day, whether it was in the run game, right? Whether it was in the pass game. Jimmy had a bunch of time in the pocket. A lot of times, Mostert was able to have some nice knifing runs, as was Trey Sermon. He had a few as well where he had some good good lanes. Wayne Gallman, his one touch that I saw that I remember vividly with that first team O-line was a, was a run where he got through through the inside through, in past second level about 10 yards down the field before anyone was close to touching him. And I was like, yikes, man, Gallman looks good in this system. And again, we talked about this, right? Gallman looks like a good running back, and then when you put a, a guy like Gallman or any type of running back who looks good on paper or looks good on film somewhere else in a Kyle Shanahan running game, they could be lights out and great. Gallman looked good yesterday the few times that he ran with that first group. I thought overall line play for the first group, phenomenal. Running back play for the most part with that first group, phenomenal. And then the second group kind of came out there, and that's where some of those holes started popping up, right? That was one of the takeaways was Banks not looking as clean right. there at the guard spot. Um, 
But the other aspect of that, the inverse of that, Colton McKivitz looked really good on the other side, as well as Jalen Moore. And Tom Compton actually played True. very well at left guard. Accurate. Um, that McKivitz was playing right tackle some. Um, so that they, he did look good. You know, I, I thought overall the, the offensive line, even the second, was giving Trey Lance some time to throw the ball. Um, there's still, you know, your, your problems at center. Uh, that was always an issue. But um, there's that. But the interior defensive line also looked fantastic. Uh, when you go back and you watch any of that, these guys are are really good interior. And in fact, the first team offensive line had struggles with the interior defensive line on the opening set with, you know, with Jimmy at quarterback. Um, we had the fumbled snap. And then eventually they were trying to run up the middle and they couldn't. They yep. couldn't get they couldn't get anything going later on in other drives. They once they established the outside zone, they were able to get the running game going inside. Um, but early on, the run fits and everything from the defense was really good and really solid. Uh, so that was a that was a definite thing that popped out. You know, it was like we knew this interior defensive line was going to be good, but it stood out in a big way that even with the guys missing, that Kerr, DJ Jones, Contavious Street, um, Maurice Hurst were very good and very um, capable of handling the interior defensive line. So the interior defensive line looked really good, um, and I think that is something we're going to be able to count on all season, which. We know in 2019 was an issue for the 49ers as far as interior run game mm-hmm. um, because Buckner was a little small, so they could sometimes get him off the, the spot. And it's funny saying somebody that big is small, but a little light, and they would be able to, you know, eat up the interior and, and get some some things going on. But this year, that's not the case because these guys are massive inside. Correct. They are, they are huge inside. And I think that's going to be one of the best things going forward for practices, right, is that you're going to have these big bodies on the inside really pushing our run game. And this is a... A funny scenario because you have a situation where we believe the 49ers are going to go to a more vertical type of run game. And so now you have bigger interior bodies too on the D-line, which means you're going to have a better idea and a better better practice opportunities to work against that bigger interior line to try and establish that interior run game. I do want to point out specifically on that O-line as well, um, Daniel Brunskill looked phenomenal in first team work so did alex mack alex mack looks great out there some of the the blitz pickups that he was picking up the noticing noticing when stunts were occurring and funneling guys into double teams and then picking up a, a blitzer or a guy wrapping around on an interior stunt there wasn't a lot of there was no pressure up the middle it felt like the entirety of practice none from none the first team from the first team yeah there was no pressure up the middle and when you have no pressure up the middle like that with a guy like alex mack manning that center position that big part that was a lot of Jimmy's struggles last year, was pressure up the middle and him having to try and get away from it, moving himself now into an even smaller pocket, and then taking shots while he's while he's trying to throw, not being able to step up. If Alex Mack solidifies this middle position and there's no pressure coming up the middle, and Jimmy, it doesn't have to worry about looking in front of him, right, to see what's happening, and he can just focus downfield and make reads and have a pocket around him to be able to move and operate in, he's going to operate better as a quarterback. And Trey Lance is going to operate better as a quarterback in space. Because when you don't have to worry about guys coming right in your face, you're worried about guys coming up around the edge, which means you have room to step up, step out, and maneuver yourself away and creatively out of the pocket. It's a lot easier It's a lot easier to do your job as a quarterback and read defenses and make throws because you don't have anything in your face. Yeah, and watching the play of the offensive line, I think it became pretty clear who the starting five is going to be. Um, I, I thought, you know, Trent Williams... Um, really just, you know, I mean, he's, he's Trent Williams and he's going to, he, he gave Arden Key all the problems that Arden Key could handle all day long. Yeah. Uh, Trent is just a special guy. Um, but Lakin Tomlinson looked good out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you talked about Mac Brunskill, they both look good. And then Mike McGlinchey looked good. Now he didn't, 
I will I will keep it real. He didn't have to worry about a speed rush, which is normally what he worries about is a speed rusher or somebody that can bull rush him. Um, he wasn't going against that. So McGlinchey was gonna was gonna have a good day, but he did. I mean, that's the thing. He didn't have any real hiccups. He was out there playing well. There was a couple of times we would find defenders coming off the edge, and we were looking to see how they were getting there. And a lot of times it was it was somebody else that missed a block, right? A tight end coming against the sure. against the grain that he was supposed to pick him up behind the formation or whatever. Um, they would move the pocket, and sometimes you know wouldn't be there. But overall, I thought they looked pretty good. So I was I was definitely pleased with the offensive line play. Um, which, you know, it's something to, to watch overall is that offensive line versus the defensive line. Because, like we said, if that offensive line is really good against this defensive line, they're going to be good against a lot of defensive lines in this league. Agreed. Uh, James Vega, has Jalen Moore looked so far? Has he been getting time with the second team? Yeah. He operated almost exclusively with the second he team did. at left tackle. And he was fantastic. He really was. His technique was very good. He's very nimble. Um, he, he does remind you of Trent Williams as far as the way he sets up, the way he shoots his hands, the way he stays balanced. Um, he's not Trent Williams, so I'd, I'd want to pump the brakes on that. But I thought he looked really good, and I think he's I think he's going to lock down this uh, swing tackle job. It's looking that way. I mean, he's, he's, he's a lot better than I think anyone could have anticipated when he was originally drafted. This What I saw yesterday was what I hoped he would look like towards the end of camp. Yeah. That was my hope, was like this is a guy who is – Maybe he's not the swing tackle this year, but he's darn near close, and they're considering it, and he looks solid, yeah. doesn't give up a lot of issues. I, he, There was no pressure from Trey's left, for the most part, coming from the outside yesterday. Um, and when there was when there was pressure, Moore was still right there with the guy, funneling him out, really creating an, an avenue and a lane for Trey to be able to step up and step out of if he wanted to scramble left. I mean, think about some of the great throws we've already seen from Trey Lance in camp so far, moving to his left, throwing yeah. off-platform across his body. There's a reason he's been able to do those type of things, and it's because of what Jalen Moore has been doing on that left tackle spot. Yeah, I, th I thought so. I thought he looked good, and um, he was somebody that I was going to watch, and I did. I watched him during one-on-ones. I watched him during 11-on-11s to see how he was going to be able to handle it. Um, what's nice is he has this speed that he can get you know, his kick slide going and get up the field and be able to cut people off, but also has enough power to be able to anchor down and stop someone from the bull rush. Um, so he he's definitely the full package. It'll be interesting how long he stays at tackle if it's all, you know, this whole year or, you know, if next year he slides inside or if they just decide to keep him on the outside. But I think there's a lot of potential there that, you know, as they develop, this is a guy that could eventually take over for Trent Williams one day. Um, so that's really nice. Or it, the inverse, he could take over for Mike McGlinchey if they decide eventually they want to move off that salary, not next year, because next year would be a very favorable right tackle salary at just Absolutely. over $10 million. Um, so you hold on to Mike for sure for the fifth year, but maybe Jalen takes over in a couple of years and then you're sitting pretty good with Williams and, and more at tackles. No, I, I, I agree there. That's, that's, that would be the ideal world, right? Where you have flexibility with Jalen Moore to be able to do a lot of different things with him, uh, especially with where you drafted him. The value there is huge. It's through the roof. And so if this guy continues to develop and continues to show those things, um, the 49ers are with really good position. You know, the, the Trent Williams contract makes it even better for the 49ers because after three seasons, you can get off of it basically scotch-free. So if you see any decline whatsoever in Trent Williams and you continue to see an ascendance of a guy like, like Jalen Moore, you can always get yourself out of the Trent Williams contract yeah. and roll with the young guy if you think he's ready. None of us believe that because Trent Williams looked like an absolute stonewall yesterday. That's not changing anytime soon. No, he has def he's not lost anything. No. In fact, I think he might be getting be better, which That's is crazy. scary. That's crazy. Yeah, that is it's crazy. scary because, I mean, he does. He looks real smooth. He looks real strong. He looks real limber. Uh Getting to second level on run plays, I mean, these guys, 
on the O-line looked really good. It was it was impressive to watch. The athleticism with the size um, is it, good. I, mean, I think sometimes I forget how big Daniel Brunskill actually is. Um, but he used, to, he's, he used to be a tackle. He's in, on the interior now. He looks big, strong, and fast too. So um, this line is well put together. No, it's it's extremely extremely well put together. Um, and that's not the only position where there's things that are well put together. I, I got to say, the second team D line, we talked all about, we just talked about all the struggles with that first team O line, with second team O line, excuse me. That second team D line, which is in theory, based on the guys you have out there playing first team, is your third team D line. We've been saying it for months now. I mean, basically, since the season ended, the Niners started dra- bringing in signing guys. They drafted the they post draft. We've been saying this D line is stacked. We did the gold rush video in which we talked about how stacked this D-line is. They showed it yesterday. That second team D-line, for the most part, was was controlling the line of scrimmage and not really letting that second team oh get a push, get any real real big runs going, um, not letting Trey get comfortable in the pocket, making it very difficult for him to read, find guys, find his open targets, because he was, you know, well, God, there's three guys in my face here. I need to step here. I need to look. I'm trying to look right. I got two guys in my face coming from the right. I need to go back to my left. But, oh, God, there's a guy coming left. I, I gotta grab the po- He looked just frazzled in the pocket all day long. You got to give kudos to that D-line. You got to give kudos to Kaseric. Kaseric's energy is actually higher with the second and the third units than it is with the first units that are out there because he knows what the first that first group is already going to do. He was very animated with those second and third units. Every time someone made a big play, he's five to ten yards onto the field screaming his heart out, just keeping that energy up because he knows if that group is playing hard and playing well, it's pushing that offensive line and that offensive group. A couple of times I saw Shanahan as Chris Eric is being Chris Eric, kind of looking over and it looked like he was smirking a little bit, just like, this guy over here, this guy's, this line is eating us up right now. Oh, you you know that he is. I mean, you just know he is. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, too, is about what you thought of Trey's escapability. Um, because I know that was something I was really interested to watch, you know, is, is just how this guy was going to be able to maneuver in the pocket and then get out of the pocket. I thought he did a good job of sometimes being able to step up in the pocket and kind of move out, you know, that way. Um, he, he, to me, he looked like he could, he, he's going to be able to avoid pressure. A lot of times if pressure comes in his face, he can avoid it and still make throws. Um, so I was just curious what you thought about that as well. If you, if you saw the same thing as me. Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was, I think I saw more of it in the, the little read option wrap runs that they were running with him. Um, that's not a capability there. Those are obviously designed run situations yeah. and scenarios. But I've always viewed Trey Lance as more of the physical type runner. That's what a lot of his film in college is. It's him being physical, being able to get downhill between the tackles. There wasn't a lot of, there was no real between the tackles running with Zero. Trey Lance. None. It's all on the edge. And he's got some speed. He's got some elusiveness. He's got great vision as a ball carrier. All things that I thought were the, were the case. But it's, it's at a different level. He was able to get around the corner and, you know, get five, 10 yards. And the best part is, too. He's very intelligent. He's very aware of the fact that this isn't, you know, Division One AA football anymore. This is not. This is not the Dakotas. This is not the guys. These guys are big. They're physical. He didn't try and lower his shoulder. He didn't try and you know get the extra yard or two. He got what he could get, and then he got himself to a safe place. Most of the time, it was out of bounds because they were running towards the sideline. But he he was directing himself there. He wasn't trying to make the big play. He was trying to take what the defense was giving him, get what he could, and then get to safety which is what you want. You want that out of your mobile quarterback, not wanting to just put an extra beating on your body. I love that. And then the times in the pocket where there were guys around him, 
Yeah, he was. But I think right now he's trying really, really hard as a quarterback to be a more of a pocket presence right now and establish himself in the pocket. Yeah. He's not looking to run. I love that. Yeah, a big takeaway also, um, and the fact that the reason why Trey Lance had to run and the reason why Jimmy Garoppolo struggled at times was this secondary is fantastic. Yeah. Um, Jason Verrett, Emmanuel Mosley, Tavon Wilson, and Jimmy Ward – looked very very good and there were times where some of the young guys were in there as well mm-hmm. um, but that core group right there when they were out there uh it was it was locked down central i mean it really was it was it was crazy and i thought jason Brett looked like an all pro uh his technique is flawless the way he's able to you know close on the football was fantastic um so he looked really good jimmy ward i mean did jimmy ward things i mean the guy's just all over um in one-on-ones you know he kind of got beat but that's what you expect from one-on-ones uh, but when he was in team, he didn't get beat. And when he was around the line of scrimmage, he was causing issues as well. And the big standout has got to be Wilson. I mean, Wilson's out there, and he's making plays. He's everywhere, dude. He, he's everywhere. He's flying around. And, uh, yeah, Jaquiski Tart, you better heal quick, or you're, or you're not going to have a job because this guy looks just so comfortable in this role playing with Jimmy Ward. Uh, the secondary looks like they really work well together. There's a lot of chemistry. Uh, but it's, it's, it's definitely fun to watch. I thought – there were, there were times we just looked at each other because after the play, and it was like, Jimmy had nowhere to go with the ball. Trey had nowhere to go with the ball. This isn't their fault. Like, there's just nothing they can do. There's no one open. And that was that was one of the funny things for me. And Megan, we appreciate the super chat there. Thank you so much for that. Happy Sunday to you and all of the Cutback crew. We love y'all. Good to be here in the morning with you. True. Um, Yeah, that was one of the big things was just that right there. That, the coverage sacks. Yeah to the extent that they were happening. Because it wasn't just like once. It was multiple times for both units. Didn't really happen with the third team at all. But it is what it is. Also, they had a lot more success running the football for big, huge gashing runs with the third team. So you're going to have to respect and play a little bit harder on that run, which opens up the passing opportunities. Uh, But that that second team secondary and the first team secondary, specifically that first team secondary, holy cow. There were a handful of times. And the best part was for me was we're sitting there and this is happening. And you and I are both going, dude, there's no one open. There's nothing open. Yeah. Nothing at all. This defense, like, it's it's like they, it's like D'Amico Ryan's the defense knew exactly what was going to happen, even though it was an unscripted session in which they don't know what the plays are. And you had fans, oh, there he is holding on to the ball too long. And then when Trey does it, it's like, oh, man, he had no time. It's like, dude, no, it's the same. It was the same for both. Yeah. There's no one available. Yeah. The secondary was all over it. Diama Lenore had flashes and bad moments yesterday. Ombre Thomas especially when he was playing physical, had moments off the line where I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. Hey, oh, okay, okay. But then no pressure got to Jimmy, and then the route, you know, Ayuk or Debo had time to get into a route. A couple times, Sanu had time to get into a route, and then they create the separation. You're like, okay, okay, youngster. I saw something, but you still got some stuff you got to clean up. But it was one of those moments where I was like, hey, no, if this, if this pass rush is elite, and he can get a jam like that off the line, this guy is serviceable in situations. He can get out there and be physical with guys, especially when you want to try and do some man stuff. If he's not having to cover for five, six seconds, Aubrey Thomas has got a lot of potential right now. I can't wait to see what it's going to look like, you know, year two, next year, for example, or the year after that down the road. He has a lot of ability and a lot of opportunity to be special. He's just got to clean up some of this stuff and get used to and comfortable with the physicality of the NFL, right? And I think part of that, too, is the fact that he had so much time off between 2019, the last time he played football, and now he's trying to get himself back into football acclimation, right? Get comfortable with playing. And there is a difference between playing Division I college football at Michigan and this at the NFL level. 
Not every receiver you're going to be playing against is going to be an NFL caliber wideout. Everyone he is facing is now. Well, and you can see those two, uh, Demo and Ombre Thomas, developing their press release still. Mm-hmm. Um, they get up there and they get very physical with the receiver at the point of attack. But it's after that that the receiver will, you know, reestablish himself and get going. He'll get back on the stem. He'll redirect the corner. And that's what they're having problems with. So even when uh, Lenore got beat deep in uh, one-on-ones, he had great coverage for the first part. And then he got beat after that. And I remember looking at you and saying, he shouldn't have gotten beat. And that was by Austin Watkins. He shouldn't have gotten beat no. on that play. He, and- well, he had every opportunity, right? That was one where he got the press. He got, he got the separation. He had two or three steps on Watkins and just kind of hesitated a little bit and then Watkins outruns him towards the end zone and makes the play on the ball. He did do a pretty good job of recovery in that. I saw another angle from the end zone where he was right there and I really appreciate it. Like I really liked what I saw, but Watkins never should have got to that position in the first place. And we got to shout out David with the $5 TCC and coach Timo with the super sticker of all things. You were amazing. No, you're amazing. The Cutback Crew is amazing. We appreciate everything you guys are throwing our way and all the support you're throwing this channel. Um, it's been absolutely great. Everything that's been happening the last, I mean, the whole year, but the last two weeks, the support from the Cutback Crew and all the new people joining the channel, uh, it's been wonderful, man. We really appreciate it. It has, and thanks so much you know, to David and to um, Coach Timo. Um, also, hey, great yo. comments all the time from both of them. So absolutely. we really appreciate what you guys do and how you guys interact with everyone in the, in the Cutback Crew and with us. Um, it's it's fun. It's it's very fun to watch and talk football. And um, Coach Timo has some good insights on football because he used to coach football, so Absolutely. he gets it. Um, it. It you know what? It, there's a lot of things that we can take away from every, you know from what we saw um, that Diameter Lenore and Ombre Thomas have the potential to be really good players. Absolutely. Um, potential is the key. They, these we need to let these guys develop. We don't need to be talking about these guys are first team guys. They're definitely not first team guys. Um, from what I saw yesterday, skill set wise, eventually they could be. But they have to clean up their game a lot, and there's a lot that goes into it. You can tell there's a big difference even between Dante Johnson and them as far as <laughs> the way that they're playing football right now. Not the skill set, but the way they're playing the scheme and playing football right now. Dante Johnson is ahead of them right now. Yes. Um, 100%. And so there is some work that needs to go there, and I think they'll, you know, they'll, they're going to get this down. The one thing I did, another takeaway, because we've talked about Diamond or Lenore possibly playing inside, Diamond Lenore played exclusively outside all day he long. He did, dude. The whole entire time. So he was not the guy going in for K1, you know, and backing him up. So that is something to keep an eye on because I think we all thought maybe he was going to be that guy that played behind K1 um, that, you know, had that stability in case, but they're not. That's where Dante Johnson was playing sometimes. So uh, also Fields was playing there a yeah. lot. Um, Fields is an interesting cat as well because – River Craycraft does not like him very much. No. Um, so we got we got a little aggressiveness from him, from uh, Sherfield, uh, Craycraft. They were all kind of in each other's face. Um, there's some intensity. These, these are real battles. These are real. These are people's careers, people's lives, and they're taking it serious when they're out there on the field. Yeah, I mean, Craycraft especially. This is a guy who hasn't made a lot of active rosters coming out of training camp. This is a guy who spent a lot of time on practice squads or not on teams. Um, you know, Craycraft is very consciously aware of the fact that he's only going to have a few more chances yeah. to make an NFL roster. And this may be one of them. Um, and so he's taking it as serious as he possibly can and is working as hard as he possibly can to show that, you know, there's something there that he adds to the table that needs to keep him around. Will he do it? I don't know. It's going to be really hard when you guys got when you got guys like Trent Sherfield having the camp that he had been having and people have been talking about, right? And I put it in air quotes because that's how we were perceiving it. Until we can see, like for sure with our own eyes, where this guy is at and what he's doing, 
the film for us hasn't lied. This guy hasn't done a lot. He hasn't shown a lot of top-end speed. And the caveat for both of us was, but that was Arizona's system. Maybe, being in San Francisco, things are different and things are changing for this guy and it's, it's a better scheme fit and therefore we're better able to utilize what he can do as a receiver. That is looking like it is the case because he looked fantastic yesterday. Yeah, he did. And so the, the everyone that's been saying that he is very good, they are right. He is very good. Um, he looked good out there. Um, he's making this roster with what he can do on special teams and then what he can do in the past game now. He's going to make this roster. Now, he did work exclusively with the twos. Um, which is understandable. There still wasn't, you know, no 11-on-11s from Jalen Hurd. Correct. Um, it seemed like that was definitely a plan of the 49ers was to keep some of these injured, or not injured, but oft-injured guys who are healthy now off the field. Um, it is a new, right, a new playing surface compared to what they're using at the Performance Center. Um, so maybe they were doing that, protecting these guys, but it was it was definitely fun to watch. And I think we're going to see everybody progress as we go for, further, but Sherfield definitely was somebody that people are right on. Um, some of the other things I, I don't get where they're going with, but they were right on Sherfield. He looked really good. And when he had mismatches, he took advantage of them. So I think he's someone we're going to be able to count on in the future. And I like his attitude. I like the way he approaches football. So it's going it, to, he's definitely somebody that I'm starting to gravitate towards as somebody I'm rooting for, um, just because of the way he goes about his business. Correct. I, I love the way that he handles himself, the way he carries himself. Um, there is definitely a very Doug Baldwin S chip on his shoulder, uh, Doug Baldwin got a lot of fly and not a lot of support and, you know, was a guy who was, you know, just kind of written off as a wide out in this league and really had to earn his keep and always, always had that kind of mentality and that mindset. Trent Sherfield gives me a lot of those same type of vibes. The attitude isn't there yet, but I think the attitude isn't there because he hasn't had a chance to really prove it and show it off in game. A lot of that attitude with Baldwin came from, you know, the fact that he did it year in and year out for the entirety of his career. And once he got about, you know, Four or five seasons into doing it, you can have that little bit of an attitude now because you've proven yourself. Sherfield's got that work ethic, though, and that grind. He does. That nose is to the grindstone. I really want to see what he's going to turn into. But, again, we got to curtail him and pump the brakes a little bit because as good as he looked, he only worked with the second team, and Sanu took a majority of the wide receiver three reps with that group. Now, Tuesday is going to give us a better idea of whether or not Sanu has a stranglehold on the wide receiver three position or if that was just Sanu's day as wide receiver three with this group. Because we saw from day one of camp, I saw a lot of Travis Benjamin working in with the first team and a lot of the clips that I saw. Saw Travis Benjamin working really exclusively with the second unit and the third unit in yesterday's practice. Yes, and thank you for the super chat, Coach Timo, again hitting us with um, a $20 super chat, and oh, I'd like to read it. Shikes. He said, thanks to the Cutback Crew for putting together quality podcasts. Um, breakdowns and great observations. Coaching experience makes a difference in understanding the game and why things work and don't work. Um, you know, it does a lot of times. You know, you have that um, way of looking at film and way of looking at a game. It's just a different approach. Um, I know it always changed. It it changed the way I looked at football in general, right? I used to be able to watch it and and go get up and down with the, you know, the, the flows of the game. And now it's just different. I watch it and I'm like, oh, they should have done this or, oh, it, that should have happened. And, Oh, this guy did that. And um, it did definitely change football for me overall. I'm sure it changed it for you. Yes. Um, but yes, that is a, it, it is a different way to approach the game. Um, all approaches are are fine, but it's Correct. just it, it is different. Um, but the, overall, you're right about Sherfield. We don't want to build him up to be like, you know, over the top. Mo Sanu was taking the third, you know, the third uh, wide receiver reps. Um, I will say this is that I don't think anyone has a stranglehold on wide no. receiver three. 
Um, I, I think that they're waiting to develop. I think you're, they're going to actually prove this in preseason games. I mean, we have to see games. We have to see these guys out there. The other thing was things they ran when they first did walkthroughs. You know, I mean, when they were doing like the, the walk, the, the real slow walkthroughs early on in practice, um, they ran a lot of different things that they didn't run during the team. The no. team. Um, when they went to 11 on 11, they ran vanilla. I think we got a, a decent idea of what preseason is going to look like. Um, you know, it's basically all timing stuff. Get these guys out there. Um, wasn't a ton of motion. There was some, um, which I know we expect a, a lot of motion from the 49ers, but there wasn't a whole lot. They did run, you know, Debo and some of them on some, you know, into rounds and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so it was to a point 49ers offense, but you could definitely tell this was watered down. It was hampered. They ran nothing new with Trey Lance. They ran the basics with Trey Lance as far as the run game. We know there's going to be more exotic looks and more things that they're going to do with him. Um, so that that is another thing that we have to take away is just this is what you can expect your preseason. If you don't see Trey running a bunch of different run plays, that's okay. He's going to get to it eventually because the 49ers are going to save all that because they don't want anyone to see it. The things you don't want anyone to see, you want to keep those behind closed doors. Yeah, correct. Uh, Megan. 499 Super Chat loves the cutback. Thank you. We love y'all. We love the cutback crew. Thank you so much for that. Um, but yeah, that's that's the big thing. And that was one of the funny things is we had some comments and we had some people uh, that were talking about, oh, you can't, I can't believe you're putting all this film out there. Now everyone's going to know what we do in our offense. It's like, folks, it's a public practice. They're not, they're not going to be showing and putting out yeah. things there for the public to see that they don't want other anyone else to see. We're going to get to see exactly what the 49ers want us to see, and that is what exa exactly what they want everyone else to see as well. They're not going to have open public practices and installing new aspects of the offense that we've never seen before. And they didn't run anything that you wouldn't expect. This was, I mean, this was vanilla offense from Kyle Shanahan. A hundred percent. I mean, there was uh, this was the basics, right? Yes. Um, there was nothing special about what they did, you know, calling plays or executing plays. That's all it was, was about how clean can they get this offense to look, you know, execution-wise. Had nothing to do with the actual play design. They did no exotic formations. No. They did no exotic personnel settings. No. Um, none of it was there. So there, there was nothing that wasn't just vanilla, and that's exactly what you expect in these situations. So when you're, when you're looking at how this offense is going to be constituted, um, just remember we haven't got a real good idea of that. We won't until we get to the dress rehearsal game. Once they run the dress rehearsal game, then we'll get a, a better idea. They still aren't going to unveil what their offense is going to look like. We won't know until we get to Detroit, and then that, that's when we'll see what they're actually going to be running in, in that situation. Agreed. And you know what? In all honesty, too, there is – before we get there, I, I, I mean, I want to – Matt Calloway is 100% right. 499 Super Chat, Devo that like button. You have to Devo the like <laughs> button. Make sure you smash that thing into oblivion. Um we appreciate that, Matt, and Matt is not wrong. Gary is also not wrong. 22 for 74. Question marks, a bunch of them, some thinking emojis there. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you show the channel some support. Share it with the rest of the faithful as well. Uh, but look, let's let's get back to let's get back to some of that because there is a good chance too as well that going into that Detroit game with a new head coach and them trying to establish a defense and a better defense and rebuilding that offense and Jared Goff, that Shanahan might not have to get super duper ridiculously creative. So you may not even see it then. You may see some things that they want to try and some things they want to test out, but you may not even see them, them fully getting into the Kyle Shanahan offense in the playbook because you might not have to. Oh, they're going to get into it. You think they will? Yes, because you want to put the fear of God into people. <laughs> um, they're, you're, you're, the jump. they're not going to show everyone everything. Of course, this offense Correct. is going to continue to change uh, as the season goes on. They're going to continue to add depending on what team they're going to – but they're going to run everything they need to run to beat Detroit. Um, now, will they pull off the gas early if they get up? Yes, they will. But 
I think he's going to go out there and he wants to set the tone. Why wouldn't you want to come out there and just blow people up right away and set the tone for the offense, for the defense? I think he's going to do it. So I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see some exotic sets, um, some really cool stuff. Maybe we get some, you know, Debo in the backfield action Ooh, um, nice. with Trey hey, Lance. We did see Debo motioning into the backfield a few yeah. different times and running a little wheel off that little, little swing route. Um, yeah, don't be surprised if you're setting that up now in the preseason to eventually run some triple option or some read option of him going the other way. Well, and you've you've seen Kyle do that in the past, right? Oh, yeah. you, you've already seen everything we saw yesterday we've seen from Kyle. I'm looking forward to the things that we haven't seen from Kyle and yeah. from Mike McDaniel, and those are going to be coming, and those are going to be exciting to watch. Um, and I don't think we're going to see any of them until Detroit, but once we get to Detroit, we'll see some of them. Agreed with you there. Very accurate there, Ant. Very, very, very accurate. accurate. Yeah. Uh, two things to talk about here that someone had mentioned up. Uh, first and foremost, there we had Mark saying that it looks like I outkicked my coverage. Uh, I was an incredible punter. I don't ever outkick my coverage. Mm. Okay, kick that thing out of bounds. Don't let him pit him. Pit him at the five. That's what yeah, you do there. I, I, I saw. I, I saw you definitely have outkicked your coverage. Accurate. Yeah, one hundred percent. Not wrong, Mark. How dare you put put me out there? Like put me on blast. Uh, second one's for Mr. BMW. Do you guys like Grant Cohn? You know what? I appreciate Grant Cohn's hustle. Um, Correct. I'm I'm gonna leave it at that. I don't know Grant Cohn personally, so I can't judge him on Accurate. on him as a person. Yep. The one thing I will say is the guy it has a grind to him, and he's smart. Um, but what I will say is sometimes I hate the things he does. Um, I don't like. I'm not the clickbaity kind of person, the, and and the some approach. of the takes are just are not there for me because um, I like more in depth football, you know, analysis. And you're gonna get more surface if you're going to Grant Cohn to get. Um, information about like moves, roster moves, and all that. He does a good job. Fantastic um, job. He does. He's on it. If you're going to him for actual in-depth football knowledge, um, that's where I draw the line because there is none there. Um, but I I'm not ever going to hate on anyone for doing what they do and doing it, you know, to the best of their abilities. And, and he grinds and doing it well. You can't say it's not working. It, uh, it works. It, it works. It does really well. Like for what he does, I think that's the difference between his approach and our approach, right? Every, we, we say this all the time. Everyone is allowed to have their opinion and their way of viewing it. And that includes other channels and other people we may or may not ever work with, right? Everyone's going to do things their own way and they should, because that's the great thing about football. There's tons of ways to go about looking at it. Um, it's just the approach, right? We aren't so focused on the clickbaity stuff and some of the crazy outlandish takes. I mean, I think between the two of us, we would both agree that I'm the one who tends to get a little bit more over the top. But the nice part is, is that I have you to balance me back and bring right. me back down to earth and to reality. Um, there isn't that over there. And so sometimes it goes way off the handle and flies off the handle. Um, and that's that's one of the things that we try not to do with this channel is, is we're trying to bring you the objective reality of what's going on with this team. So that way you're not surprised when anything happens. If anything, it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I understand why that occurred or why B occurred or how we get there. Um, you know, some channels, they don't care about that. They're just trying to... Get that stuff out there and be as, you know, 211 or 12 as possible. We're trying not to do that. So while we may not necessarily agree with a lot of what Thanos says, yeah. got to respect it. Yeah. I, I mean, what I, I think that's the best way to look at it. It's, yeah. just, it's just we respect the grind. You know, I mean, we have a different approach and we're going to approach it differently. I did see someone. I, I'm sorry I, I didn't catch the name. It's going so fast. But um, somebody asked if the we thought the 49ers would defeat Detroit by more than seven points. Um, yes, I do believe that. I, I think that they're going to win by more than seven points. I don't know how this offense is going to be clicking because we haven't went through preseason yet. And once I'm able to see how they look in preseason, I think we'll get a better idea of you know how this offense is going to look uh, in the first game. But I have I have a sneaky feeling that this is going to happen. They're going to beat them by a, a little bit more than seven points. 
Yes, uh, and I just saw that it was Robert Sh Rob Schmidt. Okay, Rob Schmidt. Thanks, so Rob. Rob that was a good question. Great yeah. question. And yes, I agree with you there. I think it's going to be a lot more than seven points. Uh, and in fact, I think we did a, a a schedule prediction show back on the channel a little while ago where we predicted the schedule and the record for the 49ers, including some game scores. Yeah, we did. So go check that out also if you want the specifics on the scores there because that's a, that was a great episode in which we dove into the entirety of the season. Gave you our predictions on the 49ers roster, and Gary was in chat letting everyone know that's going to be 17-0, and we're going to go on an undefeated run for our quest for six. So, Gary, shout out <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, G Gary is on the positive bandwagon, and he he's always saying that. So, yeah, that's what Gary is about. Um, yeah, that, that schedule release show was fun, you know, and, and we put it out there, and we'll see how it goes, how it turns out. Of course, you're always hoping that there's not going to be any injuries or anything that go into it, um, so that way you can be closer to right, but... I think we see positive things for this team moving forward. So it's not too crazy, especially after seeing yesterday, just seeing how the team is constituted to believe that these guys have an opportunity to um, make the playoffs and then and then go on a run. Um, I think we both believe that. So yeah, uh, overall, team depth is good. So I'm going to stick with the fact that our team is really good, and I'm okay with that. I think that's the that's the fair that's fair, right? This team is pretty solid. Um, this is a great question here, James. Another good one. Has Kyle said anything about uh, snap counts for the quarterbacks for the first preseason game? He has not said no. anything. No, um, he hasn't. No, no conversations, no letting anything out of the bag. And, I mean, that's just something that he's not going to divulge. He's not going to divulge that information. He keeps saying that everyone is going to get reps. He's even gone so far as to say Jimmy and Trey are going to get most of the reps and, you know, whatever is left will be there for the other two gentlemen. You and I are both in the boat that this first preseason game, you're not going to see a whole lot of Jimmy, maybe a couple of drives from Jimmy Garoppolo. And then a nice chunk of Trey Lance probably for like two to two and a half quarters somewhere in there. And then Sudfeld most likely going in after that and maybe seeing absolutely nothing of Josh Rosen in that first preseason game. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if that's exactly how it panned out. It is a couple of drives for Jimmy, which could take up the first quarter. <clears throat> and then Trey Lance, you know, after that. And then Trey Lance will get a, a bulk of the snaps because they're going to want to get this guy comfortable and get in the system and get him out there playing. Um, he won't be playing with any of the, the starting guys, so... Um, we'll see what he does out there. And then once you get into, you know, like you said, it'll be Sudfeld after that. And I, I think as it goes, it'll change. Um, so when they get to the dress rehearsal game, you'll see Jimmy the most. But after that, he's really not going to play that much in the preseason. If we see Jimmy playing a lot for some reason, that means he's in a complete battle with Trey for the job. Um, if you don't and they're just doing the, the normal progression like we're talking about, then he's still considered the day one starter. Um, so the, the reps will make a big difference in how you evaluate who has an opportunity to start and who doesn't, because everyone always points out the Matt Flynn, um, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson thing. And yep. Russell Wilson started taking more snaps and more snaps and more snaps. And then Flynn had to play more snaps. And it was like, oh, now it's an actual battle. Yeah. So that would be the only uh, it, that's what you should be watching for. If Jimmy's playing more and more and more like if we get to that second. You can't you can't tell from the second preseason game. But if we get to the third preseason game and Jimmy's playing. I'm going to kind of be like, if he plays more than like a quarter or plays a full quarter, I'm going to be like, oh. Well, oh. It, it, it is the normal dress rehearsal game, though. Remember, this is Correct. this is a, you know, a three-game preseason. so Instead of the typical four. So, I mean, that might be the actual time he keeps it as a dress rehearsal game, Maybe. and then you're not really worried about it. So Yeah, if that's, the, if that's the case, if they're using that third preseason game as the dress rehearsal, then I won't be worried. The second preseason game would be the one that I become a little bit concerned about if he's playing heavy. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's I fair. think that's fair. That's not. It's not. not it's not unfair. Um, BMW had asked about the report that Mac is looking old. Should we be concerned? Just based on the question, I already know who is putting that out there and who's saying that. Yeah. 
We won't go too much into this because there's the potential that we're going to be putting out an episode specifically based on the, shall we call them conspiracy theories, <laughs> Ant? We've yes. already had one. We've yes. already had one, right? We might as well double up on another conspiracy theory episode. Um, yeah. <clears throat> as far as Mac goes, um, he looked good. Uh, he didn't look. I don't think he looked great. He looked so good, if though. we're if we're gonna you know kind of harp on every single thing he did, did he make a couple of mistakes? Of course he did. This is practice. These guys are gonna make mistakes. They're still knocking off the rust. They're still, but the fact that he was getting everyone into the right positions and making sure they were able to pick up blitzes, and then also they were all working together to flow. There was one time where they you you pointed it out during that they ran a stunt onto the inside, and I said, yeah, but he gave enough time, right? Correct. Jimmy got rid of the ball, and Alex Mack was pushing the guy up. Sometimes that's all you need. You don't need to stymie him at the line of scrimmage. You can give up ground. You can push people through, allow your quarterback to be able to move and get find a window to throw the football. So um, I thought Mack's look, uh, Mack looked good, and I definitely don't think he looks old and slow. I think he looks smart and seasoned. And I think that he's going to be just fine. And this is still an improvement over anyone we had at center last year um, because we got so much inconsistent, inconsistent play. And it's definitely like a thousand times better than Hieronymus Grasso. Correct. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. I mean, let's, let's, let's not, I don't want to rake Hieronymus Grasso under the coals mm -hmm. because he did step up and do a good, I mean, let's, let's be honest, right? As bad as last year was, it could have been a lot worse. With that o-line play that o-line play wasn't great it didn't help it also at times that your our quarterbacks our quarterbacks outside of jimmy didn't get us into the correct sets and the correct situations they can canned into a lot of plays they shouldn't have they can't canted into a lot of plays that they shouldn't have and so that sometimes our o-line was set up for failure um but yeah it, everything so far looks 10 times better than when horas grasu was playing last year and it's very very comforting to know that we got a guy like Alex Mack who I think as the season progresses is going to get better and going to continue to improve um, and is also going to continue to make this O-line play step up and elevate. This is a, a center who's been playing as one of the best centers in the league for a long time, who's been to a Super Bowl as well, had a lot of success with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. This is just, it's a match made in heaven. It made all the sense in the world. It's something that both of us thought that was going to happen for the 49ers and when it finally did, all of our concerns for the O-line shifted from, oh, God, you know, like, are we going to have the pieces we need? In one fell swoop in the same day, you got Trent Williams to sure up the, the tackle spot. You brought in Alex Mack. And now the only question mark was who's playing guard. We both felt comfortable with Brunskill. And then they made the move for Banks in the draft. And it's like, okay, we feel like this, this O-line group now is at least solidified and better than, the, better than I think any O-line that we've had in the last few years. Yeah, and uh, Spynick Danger had a question. He said, does it matter who starts week one versus the Lions to get the win? I, I'm, I'm assuming he's talking about quarterback. Um, no, it doesn't. I think both of them would be able to win uh, the football game. Correct. Um, so I, I think that this is an easy question to answer just because of the way that the Lions are constituted. They're rebuilding right now. Um, if we were to lose that game, that is not a good look for the 49ers. No. Um, I think they're going to win it, though. And then I seen uh, Tommy said Tom Compton is uh, dumpster fire, basically. Um, I will say this, Tom Compton looked good yesterday. He did. Um, so he looks a lot better than he did last year. Now this is practice. We'll see what happens when he gets into game situations. Um, but we didn't get a lot of pressure from the guys that were lining up over him. He was doing a good job. And he was going against sometimes DJ Jones and Kevin Givens and um, guys that are very capable. So that was really nice. Um, JL, he's talking about backup center, Jake Brindell. Um, right now, he's going to get cut. It, look, it's, it it felt that way yesterday. Yeah. I don't think he had a good day yesterday. 
I, it's one of those things where he didn't, I don't think he had necessarily a bad day, but he didn't help his stock at all, especially with the struggles of that second team D line. Um, and I just, I, in all honesty, the second team D line, most of our attention immediately shifted to Banks. It didn't shift to Brundell because Banks was getting worked by Hurst yesterday. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the things that we didn't get to talk about and things that stood out was Maurice Hurst. Maurice Hurst had himself one heck of a day nine. He did. And as far as that, I think Brunskill is going to be the backup center. That's what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, I think, I think they're going to roll with that and he'll, he'll play center if needed. And then they'll slide in these. They have a lot of good guard talent that they can slide in, you know, just to start at right guard if needed. Um, I just think that's the better option. But you're right. Maurice Hurst looked fantastic. Um, he looked really good on the interior. He's going to be hard to stop, especially when he gets moving laterally. Um, he was causing, causing problems in the outside zone game. Uh, he was getting up field penetrating and getting there. It definitely looks like a change of scheme from what he was running with, uh, with the Raiders to what he's running now with you know, the 49ers and Chris Kacarek. Um, he's, he's developing nice. So I'm excited to see his development. We were excited when we saw film breakdown of him, but, yeah. uh, or to do a film breakdown of him. But it, it's really exciting to see where this guy can go, and he was playing well. No, he was. I mean, the camp yesterday, there was just a lot of things to, to try and digest and look at. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to Tuesday because we're going to get to go in a little bit deeper, um, you know, taking a little harder look maybe at that second team offensive line, looking at the DNPs from our Saturday session and seeing how many of those guys are carrying over still into DNPs from Monday into Tuesday. Um, I'm really, really, really hoping. That's a lot of reallys. It's a bunch of reallys. I'm so hoping that we get to see Samson and come on Tuesday, man. I, I want to see Sosa so bad. Yeah, me too. I want to see him play as well. Um, having multiple days off, maybe we'll get to see a lot more of these guys that you know sat out, um, and we'll get to see what this what this defensive line could look like when it's a lot stronger. So it, I think the the scary part is it was exciting to watch this defensive line as it was constituted. And we we're missing all the guys that we we're missing. Yeah. Um, so once those guys get out there, I can only imagine the speed. And I still want to wait for that first time that we get to see that, you know, that freaking speed package oh. where you have Ford, Ebucom, Nick Bosa, Armstead out there together. Um, that'll be exciting. And if they blitz Fred Warner on the same situation, that would just be uh, almost impossible to stop. This is a great question right here, and Ant, you're right. Dra the the drag racing package, whatever we want to call, it. we'll have yeah. to come up with a better name yeah. than drag racing package. That package of of speed rushers is going to be legit. Spy Nick Danger, this is a great question. Based on early indicators in camp, from what we've seen so far, were the 49ers right to trade what they did to get Lance? Yeah, I I think without seeing him play a game, it's really hard to go all the way in on this. Um, but the physical tools are there. I can, I can see where they, where it would jump off the screen, uh, jump off in person. Um, he's physically gifted and he, he does a very good job for a rookie quarterback for sure. I mean, he, he does, he looks, he looks ahead of the curve as far as being a rookie. Um, so that in that regard, yes, but I'm not going to do say anything else until he plays a game because I've been on this the whole time, right? I want a game. I want multiple games of him playing as far as in the preseason. So I can see him take these snaps against a team that doesn't like him, a team that wants to hit him, and a team that's trying to confuse him. Um, and once we see that, he's going to elevate his game, I'm sure, and, and we'll be very happy with it. But um, just from what I've seen as far as that, I would say yes, but it's an optimistic yes because I, don't, I haven't seen him play a game yet. Correct. Uh, turbo package from Coach Timo. That's not a bad one. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Definitely cleaner than, than what I came up with, so appreciate the, appreciate the support. Appreciate it. Agreed. Um, look, I, I would say... I'm in your boat. We're not going to go full Danny Green. You want to crown him? Then crown his behind. Well, we let him off the hook. No, it's it's yes. It's it's a leaning towards yes. The physical tools are all there for Trey Lance to have success. 
the fact that the deep ball is already as clean as it is makes it so much better because the idea was is that the Niners are now going to try and get more vertical. They've established themselves as a team who can stretch the field horizontally by adding Trey Lance now. You can make sure, as you talk about Ant, you hit every blade of grass in which the areas in which you can attack. But he still has things that he has to clean up underneath, on the outsides, on reads, picking up, you know, coverages, disguises, things of that nature, understanding blitzes, where he should go with the football. Um, you know, he had his moments yesterday where he just couldn't locate. He was struggling to locate an open receiver, a guy who was legitimately open and was open for a few seconds. He did find him and complete the pass. But again, when you're having to hold on to the ball that long, that also means that you have the potential of getting hit and taking shots, which you don't want your quarterback doing. It's one of the big things we've said with Jimmy, right? When he holds on to the ball too long and takes those shots in the pocket, that, that wears on a quarterback. So the quicker you can get the ball out, the quicker you can find those people and make those decisions, the better for Trey Lance. But that's going to take time. you got to get used to playing against NFL defenses. You have to be fully comfortable with the system and the receivers you're playing with and knowing where they're going to be. And Dana, love the clarity of analysis. You guys keep it real. We appreciate that $10 super chat. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Dana. We really appreciate it. Dana also commenting yesterday, so thank you so much. It's true. Um, he also loves Chapman, which we like Chapman as well. So Accurate. that is nice. Um, but yeah, you're you're when I think the play that sticks out, right, about Trey Lance and that is when he located Sherfield late. Yes. Um he had the mismatch because they were I mean, they're running his own coverage, but they were getting a deep drop from the linebacker, and then Sherfield was able to break outside. And Sherfield was open for a long time. Yes. Um, and I think when he gets a full grasp of the offense, he'll know that that is going to be open. And he can go to that right away. The read was there, right? The corner was completely bailed. It was a cover three. He completely bailed. And then he just, he could hit underneath. Yep. Um, he didn't do that right away. That is just him learning and understanding this offense in, in a practice situation. That's fine. This is a great learning tool. They're going to be able to go back on film and look at it Yes. in a game situation. Like if they were playing Kansas city, um, it wouldn't have been a good situation because he would have got whacked. Yeah. Because he would have got hit, you know, in the pocket, and that wouldn't have been a good look. So it, he is developing. It's just we got to pause, you know, because there's these great plays that happen. I mean, the deep throws to Brandon Ayuk, and I mean, when you see him, like, wow, you got to take the wow and kind of just woe up a little bit yeah. and, hold, and hold it back and just be like, the wow plays are there. Let's get everything else tight. And once it is, he's going to be able to execute at a higher level because he's going to be able to execute the normal plays, and then the wow plays are on top of it. Right, that's why Russell Wilson's so special because he can hit your normal consistent plays, and then he has the wild plays on top of it. They're like, I can't believe he did that. When Trey gets there, he's going to be unstoppable. But we have to let him develop, and it's hard for a rookie quarterback to come in day one. I mean, what practice nine, <laughs> and and be able to execute at a high level on all of his reads. Uh, it's just complicated reading the coverage and then finding the proper receiver. Um, but those are things he's going to learn, and pre-snap reads eventually will be there, and he'll be able to execute it at a high level. No, I, I agree with you there completely. Uh, look, I, I that's what I mean. I don't want to overstate anything with Jimmy. Um, or, or excuse me, with Trey. I don't want to go too far into it. And, you know, anyone who's been around the 49ers cutback for a while, you kind of know my feelings about Trey Lance. We talked about it a lot leading up to the draft. We talked about it a lot on the actual draft day itself. You know, it was more relief for me than excitement about Trey because I had some mechanical issues with him and just things – Things that I was looking at and being like, oh, well, you know, that seems like a lot for a guy that I feel has some some stuff that he needs to work on and maybe he's not ready year one. I can tell you after watching camp, I have less concerns about him being ready to be able to go in and be effective this year. I have concerns about some of the passes that maybe he throws and the sailing of some balls in certain areas. Um, because like you talked about technique-wise, form-wise, sometimes it gets a little bit underneath and the ball lifts. Um, and there was one pass over the middle, specifically, I think it was to Sanu or Debo. That was a little up in space. They made a great catch, 
but Brandon Ayuk. It, it was Ayuk. Um, well, no, I don't think it was Ayuk. I'm not talking. It was Ayuk. Was it Ayuk? Okay. Ayuk jumps up, makes a nice catch in the air around two guys. Correct. Uh, I believe it was one guy. So maybe um, there was more than one. There was another one. I'm I, I, of. I just know the Ayuk one because I've seen the picture like a thousand times already. I I think the one I'm thinking of is it was over the middle. It was over the middle, um, and it was a little bit high. It might have been Debo or Sanu. I don't remember which one it was exactly. But the ball goes up and it, it sails. It goes up. Sanu has to make a catch in double coverage with a guy around him, um, and it's like he makes a great play, and everyone was all wowed by how quick the ball got there because only with that kind of arm strength can you get the ball in there. True. The problem I have is, though, is that when you put a ball high in the middle of the field like that around two players, you're not protecting wideouts. Your, your wideouts are taking shots, and they may come down with catches, and they may do that, but it's only going to take one shot before one of those guys is now down, and we're now down a wideout where you could have put that ball a little bit lower, and someone had talked about, oh, well, you know, his back, the defender's back was turned, so it wasn't a big deal. It's like, well, if the defender's back is turned, you can also lead him in space low, and he can go down to the ground and make a catch and not take a shot. There are yeah. other ways to accomplish it. Trey is going to learn those things and be able to be, get better in, be better in control of ball placement. The more snaps he gets, the more reps he gets, the more familiar he gets with defenses and secondaries, where he should be missing, how to protect his wideouts better. Right? Just because you have a big, tall guy doesn't mean you have to put him over the middle of the field up high for him to go get the ball. There are other ways to put him in positions to be successful and make catches and keep him active and healthy so he's on the field. What I want for Trey is time because time is going to be his best friend and his ally. The more time he has, the better he is going to be as a quarterback, the better he is going to be as a leader, the better he is going to be at diagnosing and, like you talked about, Having those Russell Wilson wow moments where it's like, oh, Russell Wilson can do all these great things, but then there's things that Russ, only Russell Wilson can do these types of things. There aren't another quarterback in the league who can do them. Trey has that a potential to be that kind of quarterback. The kind of quarterback you go, wow, Trey can do all these great things, but you know what? There are these things that only Trey can do. Yeah. That is the possibility and the potential with this kid and what this kid can bring to the table. And let's not forget, this is a kid. This is a young man. This is a 20-year-old. He's young. Mm -hmm. He's got tons of time. We should not be wanting to rush this kid along, wanting to rush this kid in and throw him into the fire. I don't want him to throw him in the fire. I want him sitting at a nice, safe distance, being able to toast his hands nice and warm, feeling all great and comfortable around all this wonderful supporting cast he has and feeling like he doesn't have to do it all himself because this roster, he doesn't. No, and and you know he's going to get some time. He's going to play yes. in, in in games. Him and Jimmy are both going to play in games. It appears right now. Um, once again, I haven't seen any games, so I'm just going to keep it like that. But uh, I think that that's what it's going to look like. And these guys are both going to get time. And and Trey is still developing. Nice. Um, he looks good. And I think it's it. I think people are on point to say that he's you know one of the better rookie quarterbacks that they can see in person. He's definitely mm -hmm. you know is going to stand out from anyone that we've had in there. Um, even, you know, way more than Alex Smith, for instance, because Alex Smith didn't have the big time arm that Trey Lance has, the, the physical gifts overall. It is a different world um, to think that Alex Smith was the number one overall pick, but Trey Lance is definitely a different level of quarterback coming out of college. Uh, physical tools are there. It's just learning and processing where he's going to, you know, have to, I guess, get his game right, but he's going to get there. And when he does, it's, it's going to be bad for other teams uh, because of the skill set that he has. So. I've seen some other questions come in. Um, I think uh, Spy Nick Danger asked about which one we thought was going to be more dominant, the 49ers offense or the 49ers defense. Um, I tend to lean towards the defense early on. Um, to me, the defense looked very good. And if you put this pass rush out there, uh, the way that they're constituted and able to stop the run also, 
I think there's going to be a lot of three and outs for other teams. I will be surprised if people come in and just bully these guys because it's good in the secondary, which I think was a question mark. But I think Emmanuel Mosley coming back really stabilized that secondary. What they did as far as depth in the safety room with Wilson now, uh, and they got Jefferson back there as well. They they definitely have guys that can make plays um, on the back end. So you just you just have a I guess a different feel for this defense. The defense looks good. Um, they're going to be able to play well, and I think the offense will come into its own the farther we go on, but it does take a, a little bit longer for this off, for offense to gel compared to defense. Once it does gel, then I think both of these guys can, both these units can run really good, but I think the defense is a little bit better than the offense. At this point in time, that is, that is correct. I think, though, you and I both feel the offense has the potential to blow up and be potentially even better than the defense if the pieces stay healthy and get acclimated and everything goes according to plan and according to schedule. Right. Um, you know, Jalen Hurd coming back is going to open things up for this team and for this offense. The O-line staying healthy is going to. Trey Lance continuing to de de develop as a quarterback uh, and as a leader and as a guy who can read and diagnose is going to open up things as well. Um, the 49ers offense is going to be something that don't be shocked if it takes a more Tampa Bay-esque route to its dominance and its ability to put points up on the board. Early in the season, right, Tampa Bay had its struggles. You know, Tom didn't look comfortable. Wide receiving core didn't look, you know, in sync. Nothing looked fluid. And then by the time they got into the playoffs, offense was playing great. Defense was playing great. They're putting up points. They look a lot more fluid. Tom's completing deep balls that he wasn't before. The 49ers have that ability, right? They may not be able to do it in one guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, but they may be able to do it with a two-quarterback system, as Kyle keeps talking about and that we've been talking about, right? Yeah. The Jimmy and Trey show in 2021 being able to have both of them as Trey gets more comfortable pushing the ball in his intermediate and short routes and more comfortable reading defenses. That's why we think 2022 is going to be a big year for Trey. But for right now, the offense is not better than the defense. Defense is lights out. And they I think they showed it in that move the ball drill, the first you know two or three drives of that move the ball drill. First and second team defenses just look phenomenal and fantastic. And it was three and outs. It was three and outs for everybody. It was three and outs. For, for the 49ers, though, it's like, you get a three and out. You get a three and out. Yeah. And then Sudfeld came out and said, we don't take three and outs because this third string defense is not near as good as, as anything else. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the offense continues to progress. Um, I, I think it looks it does look better than last year. Yes. So let's not, let's not curtail this and say, oh, the offense is terrible. No, no. It looks significantly better than last year. But the defense also looks significantly better than in previous years as well. And that's a scary thought. Because this was a top five defense last year with the injuries. It was the best defense, in my personal opinion, and, and as a 49ers fan, in the NFL in 2019. It could be even better in 2021. Oh, 100% could be better. Um, there is a small disagreement between me and you as, as how quickly that 49ers offense is going to gel. Okay. Um, just because I think the amount of weapons they have and the way that they can use them. You're thinking it's going to gel quicker. I think it's going to gel quicker, and I think they're actually not going to struggle the way that Tampa Bay struggled early on. I think that they're okay. going to have success. It's not just going to be to the level that we're expecting them to eventually have. Uh, I think they're going to come out there and cause issues because they have Brandon Ayuk, they have Debo Samuel, uh, they have this run game. So I think that they're going to get going early and often, but it's just going to get better and better as the season goes on. Um, when Kyle and them were able to put the entire offense in, use, mix in Trey, use him the way they want to use him. Uh, the other thing that's going to be very impressive is the red zone offense. The red zone offense is going to be nice. We did see that Wayne Gallman went in on red zone down. He is going to be Jeff Wilson Jr. for now. He's going to go in yeah. and he's going to play around the goal line, which he was very successful with with New York. Um, so he's going to get in there and make plays. So I see this you know, offense and defense playing well. I think as we go on, the offense – 
elevates this game. Never quite gets on the defensive level because the defense is special, because that defensive line is special. And you have, you know, two potential all pros in the in the secondary with Jason Brett and Jimmy Ward. Um, so those guys out there mixed with this D-line that is just going to cause major issues. It's it's kind of a recipe for success. Agreed. Uh, another takeaway to take out of camp from yesterday, D'Amico Ryans knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah. That defense looks looks solid. And you know what? It was always going to be really hard to mess it up with this defense with how much talent they have. But I can tell you what, nothing looks off. Nothing looks wrong. Um, at times, this defense looked dialed in. This is a guy who's highly intelligent. He played linebacker in the NFL. He understands NFL offenses, and he spent a lot of time with an NFL offensive guru in Kyle Shanahan. So if you think that this guy hasn't picked Kyle's brain and talked a lot of scheme strategy and just offensive tendency with Kyle Shanahan in preparation for this moment, right, when he gets his first opportunity to show what he can do as a defensive coordinator, he has. He's ready. This defense is ready. Don't expect this 49ers defense to take a step back and Bleacher Report how dare you? How dare you rank this defense where you ranked them? How dare you put so much stock in Robert Sala and give no credit to what D'Amico Ryans did with this linebacking core? Because you cannot forget, Fred Warner wasn't a linebacker. Dre Greenlaw was a, th- was a throwaway pick. A lot of us didn't think anything was going to happen with Dre Greenlaw right away. We thought hopefully maybe he turned it around in year one. This d- linebacking core has developed because of guys like D'Amico Ryans. This defense is going to continue to have success because of guys like D'Amico Ryans. Yeah, D'Amico Ryans knows what he's doing. He's going to put people in position to be successful, um, and they can come out and run a base set and not a lot of creativity, and these players are going to be able to execute. Accurate. Um, so people that are worried about you know him getting in, in the right scheme or in the right play, defensive call-wise, um, it's not going to be that hard. And I think he's going to go with the aggressive approach. Whenever in doubt, be aggressive. That is going to put pressure on the opposing team to beat you. That's what you want them to do. Make them think. Make them have to make a quick adjustment and make a play. And a lot of times that'll uh, lean to turnovers. Um, And if that happens, the 49ers are going to win a lot of games. You want to be in plus in the turnover um, category. And if they are, it's going to be good for them. So I don't worry about D'Amico Ryans at all. No, not at all. Uh, Look, at the end of the day, too, someone someone was talking about how did Hurd look. Um, I don't know if you're talking about today, because I think JLE is watching some stuff and saying Hurd was out there and speaking of 14, so he may have made a play. So we may have some juicy stuff to talk about tomorrow with Jalen Hurd, which would be exciting. Um, but Hurd yesterday looked fine. He looked really good yeah. in, in routes when he was running in one-on-ones and just warm-ups and things of that nature. He looks fine. He looks clean. He looks healthy. The real test will just be once it's time to get out there in full 11-11 team drills and how he's understanding the system and operating in space, right, with with live coverage on him. Yeah, he he's uh, crisp. He's in mm-hmm. and out of breaks. He looks clean. Um, the knee doesn't seem to be giving him any issues. The back doesn't seem to be giving him any issues. The route running, the route running was better than I've ever seen it from Jalen Hurd yesterday. Yeah, he he looked clean. He's definitely gotten a lot better in that area. He's going to be able to create separation, get the ball in space, and then make plays. Um, if you can get this guy the ball in space where he's able to operate and then run after the catch, it, it's going to be fun. We we did get to see the little re, little reverse from him where he was going in motion and they got him the ball. That was an early walkthroughs. Um, that was good to see, just to see him doing things, you know, beyond just normal receiver stuff, because I think there is a added element they could do with him, um, but they're easing him in. And once, once they get him to where he's full strength, yeah, you know, I'm going to be excited for that. Um, number 14 jerseys incoming. Yeah. All over the place. Jabbar, shout out my guy. How you doing? Hope everything's going well with you. Thanks for uh, stopping by and uh, the nice lit emoji in chat. Chat is lit. The cutback crew is always lit. And when is the cutback crew not on point, bringing great True. questions, bringing that energy. Really fueling the live streams. 
Um, I mean, y'all don't understand how much your guys' support and everything you do keep us like at an 11 like, yeah, all the time, ready it. to go and, and, and rolling. So we, we appreciate everything that you guys are doing. Uh, make sure you share the video if you haven't already and subscribe if you're new to the channel. If you just got here for the first time, hit that subscribe button. You, you are not going to regret any of it. We got tons of great things to talk about. We got a great breakdown video coming tomorrow morning of day 10 of training camp, of everything that happened from day 10, what's, what's going on with this team. Uh, because Monday they got the day off, and then Tuesday we're right back on the grind at the SAP Center taking a look at this team for day 11 of practice uh, as we get closer and closer and closer to the first preseason game versus the Chiefs, the first look at Trey Lance in an actual game, getting to see Banks, Trey Sermon, all of these rookies that we've been talking about and that people have been talking about, getting to see them in actual football situations. Practice is one thing, right? The things that we're seeing in practice, those concerns, they're concerns, but it's in a safe, controlled environment at practice. Yeah. If there are mistakes to be made, that's where you want them made. You want them screwing up. You know, you want them not necessarily knowing what they're supposed to be doing or making the wrong decision because you can put it on film, you can course correct it, and then you can get this team where they need to be and the players where they need to be for this team to have success. Saturday's the first test. It's the first opportunity to go out there and say, all the things that we've been working on, all the mistakes have you made, that you've made so far, are they cleaned up? How do they look? And, and how ready are you for an NFL experience? Like an NFL actual game, we get to see all that Saturday. I can guarantee you it won't be perfect. It won't be no. clean. It'll be better um, than the Steelers-Cowboys. It will be better than that. And what <laughs> all, all you're going to be looking to see is how, how these guys bounce back from when they make mistakes because it's going to happen. They're going to make mistakes. There's going to be plays that don't look very good. Um, and you're just looking at how they develop. And you want all that to happen. And it progresses through training camp and through the preseason. So game one, it, you want them to be better in game two. If they make mistakes in game two, you want them to be better in game three because it's all the build. You want to be kind of at that high point when you get into the season when it actually kicks off um, the regular season. That's what's important. Um, so don't freak out when when players make mistakes. We want them to execute at a high level when they have the opportunity. So consistency would be nice, but the bad plays are going to happen. Correct. It's inevitable. Yeah. Um, you know, it, not being perfect is... Uh about the 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 most normal thing that could possibly happen. Nobody is going to be this team is going to make mistakes. The question is is, you know, how quickly do you learn, grow and improve off those mistakes? So 49ers fans, when you see things freaking out, I mean, here's the best part about yesterday's breakdown analysis. We didn't talk about the one thing that people who are going to be anti Trey Lance would want to talk about. And that was the fact that the 2 minute drill at the end of practice to end practice, the last play is a Trey Lance pick. <laughs> Right? right, it goes off the hands of Elijah Mitchell, and you can do all these analysis talk about well, he didn't put the ball in the right spot, or maybe threw it too hard, and Mitchell couldn't hit. None of that, because at the end of the day, it was just a play there at the end of two minutes. It just doesn't go your way. Trey Lance didn't really do anything wrong. Elijah Mitchell doesn't hold on the ball, and it ends up being a pick. The ball happens to float in the air just a little bit long enough for Marcel Harris to walk on over, grab that thing, and end the two-minute drill. That was a mistake. But it's not anything that we're looking at going, oh my God, Trey Lance is, oh God, everything everyone's been saying, this is the end of days, Trey Lance is actually not good at all, and everyone's been blowing out of proportion. Like for everyone who, there's a lot of people who come on the t channel and talk about us being Jimmy stands. If that were truly the case, we would have torn into Trey for that yesterday. There was no reason to. It wasn't on Trey. It's just an unfortunate situation. And we've talked about this countless times in the podcast. We don't think picks that bounce off the hands of receivers should go count, go count against the quarterback. True. It's not on the quarterback's it's not the quarterback's responsibility to make sure that a wide receiver does his job and catches the ball. If it hits you in the hands as a wideout, you get paid to bring that thing in. 
Yeah, and it hit him in the hands. It hit it hit Elijah Mitchell in the hands, and he didn't catch it. Correct. And it turned into an interception. Nothing to do with Trey. That's why it wasn't brought up because not important. The, no, it's not. It, it it's not important because Trey did what he was supposed to do. Um, one player just wasn't able to execute his role, and he's going to work on it, and, and that's he's his al- job. He's also a rookie, so he's going to make mistakes. Well, also. they're both rookies. Technically um, true. So. <laughs> It, it, there's nothing to read into this, and and I'm I'm gonna stay consistent. I don't care about interceptions in training camp. No, no um, it, it doesn't bother me. Uh, it, if we get into preseason games and they're throwing a lot of interceptions, and um, then then I'll be more concerned because that's when they need to tighten it up. But um, these type of things, especially off hands of receivers, is definitely not on the quarterback, and nothing that should be put on Trey Lance. Um, he made the right read, he made the right throw, and it just wasn't um, just wasn't, meant, wasn't meant to be. Yeah, That's how practice was supposed to end yesterday. And as a coach, you hate that. You hate ending on that note, especially as an offensive-minded coach. As a defensive-minded coach, you love it. But as an offensive-minded coach, you hate it. But it is what it is. You're not going to be able to... You can't script practice to end a specific way. You can hope for things to happen and go a certain way. But when you're in live situations like that, anything is possible. And that's the great thing about football, is you can scheme and imagine and envision the way it's supposed to go but you got to go execute the vision you have to execute the plan and on any given day a right scheme the right coach the right players can take a monkey wrench and throw it into your plan and destroy everything that you've worked so hard to build and now you have to adjust and be able to come up and devise and scheme a new way to get around the problem great coaches can do it great teams find a way to overcome and that's what makes the game so special is, is that you have to constantly be fighting and working because there's tons of times, think through the 2019 season. Niners are rolling, Niners are rolling, got Atlanta at home, cakewalk, Atlanta's terrible. Atlanta comes in, punches us in the mouth, skates by by the, the skin of their chinny-chin-chin and inches out a touchdown at the end of the game to stick one to us and put this team back, like put put us in check, right? Get the head refocused and put us back in the right path. I honestly don't know if, if, if we win that game, there's a chance that that team doesn't make the same kind of run that they made at the end of the season in the fashion that they made it. Because that game really put our put our eyes and our sights back on the prize and the grind and the process of what we had to perfect if we wanted to be a team who could win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can look at that and look at losses as, you know, motivation or things that bring you together or sure. wake-up calls. It, it, it just all depends. Yep. I mean, it really does. Um, it's it's all about mindset. Team to team, it changes. So you're, you're not wrong as far as it could have been a catalyst. I don't know that for sure. Um, but overall, I mean, when we're talking about all these things, uh, it's, I mean, football is so different from game to game, from year to year. Everything is different, um, and and everything adjusts. So we're just waiting for things to adjust and everything to change. And when we get into this season, it's going to be fun to see how everything develops. You know, I mean, I think everything develops at different at different speeds and in different cases. Um, and we're waiting to see how this develops. The first preseason game is going to be the first real marker of of what is going on uh, as far as you know who is getting the bulk of the snaps. Um, who is playing on what, you know, what grouping is Colton McKivitz taking right guard snaps. All that stuff is going to be interesting to see. Um, we'll be able to get a better idea, but we're going to get a good idea also when we're out there on Tuesday, when we're out there on Thursday, you know, checking it out. You still got great content from us coming up. Chat, cutback crew, tons of great opportunities for us to break down and for us to give you some insight into what's going on with training camp leading into week one of the preseason. There's still so much football to talk about. So many position battles that are unfolding before our very eyes. By no means is anyone's job on this team safe, protected. This Trent is a, Williams. That's about it. That's Jason that's, Brett. 
That's about it. There's a handful of guys. George right? Kittle. There's the handful. There's Fred Warner. The faces <laughs> of the franchise, of course. The guys who you know right now, you're solidified. Those guys are good. But there's a lot of positions that are still not solidified, whether it's starters, whether it's back end of the roster guys. Um, the QB3 battle is going to be very interesting. Whether or not there's even going to be a QB3. It's true. It's going to be interesting. That might indeed. be the more interesting question than who it's going to be. Correct. I yeah. think that's the one that's still on everyone's mind for like in the in the forefront of everyone's mind, especially here on the podcast. Um, what's going to going to happen with this running back group and this running back core? Because we feel like Raheem Mostert has solidified himself and has shown himself to be the guy who's going to be running back one. Trey Sherman has had flashes and then not so great flashes. Elijah Mitchell has looked solid. Wayne Gallman is looking more and more like a mainstay figure piece for this team going forward, at least until Jeff Wilson Jr. gets back. There are so many questions. There's so many things happening. The wide receiver position is just heating up for wide receiver, wide receiver three. And I'm really excited for Tuesday. I'm super excited to go watch some of the stuff from training camp today and talk about that for tomorrow. There's just so many great things still to come. Oh, of course. I mean, the, the the training camp is just the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, they just keep putting information out there. We keep hearing new stories and storylines. Um, so, yes, training camp is going to be exciting all the way through, and we still have a long road to go. Um, we still have to make it all the way through this week and then, you know, three preseason games after that and all the weeks that are corresponding. Plus, um, we're going to get – we're what, a, a week, a little over a week away from them getting into practices with uh, the Chargers. That's going to um, be exciting, too. Let's, uh, uh, that's being completely like forgotten about in most circles and yeah. most places talking about it. Getting to watch them go against another. I mean, it's 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 a light scrimmage. Yeah, You're going to get to see a lot of things because you're going to test some things out based on the, the team you're practicing against. You're not just going to go through your, your base necessarily the entire time. You're going to run your base against their base to see how you're executing. Yeah. But you're also going to try and test things to see, you know, how your guys are adjusting and adapting to what they're showing you. Of course, because you don't play them during the regular season, so you don't have to worry about it. You can work on things. Um, we'll get to see Joey Bosa out there playing against these offensive tackles. Mm -hmm. Mike McGlinchey, how he looks. You know, is he able to anchor down with his size? Is he still able to handle the speed? Um, those will be big questions. So there's going to be a lot of fun stuff in that, you know, that regard. Um, they have some other talent as well, especially on the defensive side of the ball that can test these offensive players for the 49ers. So that's going to be fun. Um, the one thing I, I almost forgot to say, and I was going to make sure I put it out there, was Travis Benjamin looked fantastic yesterday. He did. It's, it's being understated. It, with everything else going on, we didn't talk a lot about yeah. TB yesterday. He, he's fast. He's still fast. He's quick. And there was a lot of times he was running open and he just didn't get found. So... Um, but he did have some deep plays down the field again. Th this guy this guy has a really good shot to make this roster, and I, I definitely don't overlook him. And I'm curious what he does in the preseason, if, it, if that translates to the preseason games uh, and they locate this guy. The one thing that was very obvious, too, was Kyle Shanahan was using this guy in a variety of different ways, not just as a vertical threat, but running him across the formation, um, running him through zones, and, and he, he looked pretty good. So let's see what he does, and I'm, I'm curious if he can make the team. Um, also, they still haven't decided who the punt returner is going to be. That's 100% accurate. They had like five guys still taking punt returns yesterday. So I made a whole list of them, and I wanted to like talk about it a little bit, but I didn't bring the paper with me. Uh, but yeah, there was a lot of guys, whether it was River Craycraft, whether it was Richie James, whether it was Sanu, Benjamin, Ayuk back there a few times. Th I think those were the five. Those were the five. Those. Yeah. Were, I think I saw one other guy back there, but I don't remember who it was. Oh, it was it's, um, it's Webster. It's uh, That's Simba right. Webster. Yeah, Simba Webster was the other guy. Yeah. So I, that, that the punt return job is not even close to being no. solidified. I found it very funny that on the ninth day of training camp, they had a nice special teams practice 
in honor of number nine Robbie Gold well, <laughs> in it, the stadium. It's also what they normally do when they put it in front of fans. Correct. They spend a, a lot of the time on special teams. They they want the special teams in front because then they don't have to show anything. They can kind of just go out there and. <sighs> you and, mean you get to have an easy scripted practice day? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's <laughs> what you're supposed to do. Robbie Gold, of course, even though he's one of the main special teams guys, did not practice most of the special teams. No. He, did, he did. He did enjoy the water cooler area and also sitting on bags, relaxing. By the way, every high school coach in existence out there watching Robbie Gold sit on bats, disrespectful. Oh, every high school coach when they see the players warming up without helmets on, <laughs> helmets. disrespectful. Oh, so great! Yeah, because that's going to make a difference in the warm up performances. The helmet on, it makes sense. Yeah. Hey, hey, no, this is this is an absolute true story. Coaching one time, I had <laughs> it was very hot. It was over 100 degrees. Our helmets were black. And I had our players out there warming up without helmets to try to keep them cool before the game. The referees tried to tell me that was illegal. And when asked why it was illegal, the response was, it's intimidating to the other team. Still haven't figured that out yet, unless he was saying they're ugly. I don't know. Oh, uh, that's, yeah. I mean, we got, we have plenty of stories. Yeah. We have plenty of stories. That is a good one, though. I remember you telling me that the first time, and me being like, man. Next level, next level understanding of the rule book because I I don't know where it says that, but hey now. Yeah, it's like dynamite, hey dynamite, dynamite refs, uh, all throughout the high school realms. I tell you, Coach Timo, how about sitting on their helmets, Ant? Yeah, I, I do not, I do not like the sitting on the helmet thing. I, not from any level. The sitting on the helmet, I still don't appreciate. Um, it, it's so, it's, but I'm I'm less on the whole. It must be a knee thing. That's correct. kind of the older thing where. Um, I mean, that's how I was brought up in coach was you had to take a knee, but no, I'm not on that. Agreed. Simon Smith Jr., I think if Bosa and Ford are both healthy this year, we're going to be hard to deal with. Agreed. Especially when you've added in pieces like Ebucom, Kinlaw's continual development, and if he's going to be healthy the full season, we'll see what happens. But the addition of Zach Kerr, Maurice Hurst, Arden Key, the continual that, improvement right of Kevin Givens. That's the key, Arden Street. Key. You, you, you I think that. You're, be, because now I'm based 4-3 you know, sets. Uh, he can play that outside defensive end and still set the edge on the run. Um, you, you've got a very solid guy, right? It's an improvement over Deion Jordan. What we got out of him last year, and he didn't play terrible. No. But the fact that this guy's an improvement, um, the D-line never stops. Like, these offensive linemen get no breaks because these guys come in and they got to look a different type of player that they're going against. Mm -hmm. you got speed rushers. you got um, guys that play with physicality, you know, that are bull rushers. Uh, you got guys that do all kinds of different tricks. They all have different tricks to their game. It's going to be hard to prepare for. As, I mean, not everyone is Trent Williams and able to handle all the different situations. A lot of them are going to struggle. Um, hey, Detroit, good luck. Have fun. <laughs> have fun, y'all. That's not going to be a good yeah. time for the Detroit Lions. It's going to be great for the cutback crew. It's going to be great for the 49ers faithful, for all the fans out there. And this was a wonderful was. stream. Guys, girls, ladies gents germs whatever you are we love all of you thank you so much for all the support thank you for tuning in for this wonderful takeaway from training camp episode we got great stuff for you tomorrow we got great stuff for you on tuesday wonderful stuff on wednesday incredible stuff on thursday and then a fun live stream leading up to week one of the preseason they're not going to want to miss any of it no we're going to have a lot of great content coming out because there's a lot of good stuff to talk about um our team is very good and we we, we get to highlight those points, so that's what's going to be fun, but um, keep it realistic along the way. So it's going to be fun to have these conversations with all the all the faithful and um, all the 49ers Cutback crew because that's what it's about. And having these conversations, I think we all get different perspectives on how we see 49ers football, and that's what we want. That's 100% what we want. Luke Luna with the $2 Super Chat to end the episode. We love it, Luke. We love y'all. Yeah, Support your local TCC. And you know what? That's a great segue and a great plug there, Luke, because there's lots of ways you can do it. The first way, easiest way, 
hit that subscribe button, become the newest member of the Cutback Crew today, and hit that notification bell. That way you're notified with the rest of the Cutback Crew as soon as our videos go live daily at 11 a.m., 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time on Friday. For now. Yeah. It will eventually change when we get into season. It'll move to Thursdays, but we'll let you know when that happens. Next best way, hitting that like button, commenting down below in the in the live chat, whether it's afterwards, if you're watching the replay, comment, 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 pumps down the algorithm. That helps us a lot. Share the video with the faithful. Go get yourself some sweet Cutback Crew merch, a 40 freaking Niners t-shirt, a Training Camp 2021 t-shirt to commemorate the trays in the Bay now in San Francisco, right? Tons of great stuff at the Cutback Shop. You can find that in the link tree down below as well, as well as just in the comment section in the description as well. It's a pinned message here in the live chat. Um, there's so many great ways to support the channel. You can super chat like Coach Timo <laughs> just did as well. There's tons of great ways to support the channel, to help this channel and continue continue to grow. Right, Every time you guys support us like this, it helps us grow and do more things, create more shows, take trips, do live stuff that we've been doing the last few days. There's tons of ways for us to continue to expand and grow the channel. There's still tons of content that we're creating and coming up with Ant, that is going to be coming out soon, so make sure you're a part of it. And if we are running on all cylinders this year on defense, we may break the record for QB sacks and pressures by a team. It's going to be fun. Coach Timo, $10 super chat. You're not wrong. No, if we're running on all cylinders, they're going to be a beast to deal with. Um, we've talked about 2019. This is a different you know, team that way it's constituted on the D-line. Um, but they can put more pressure on the outside. Now they have the interior hosses to push the pocket into the quarterback, the edge pass rush. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch. These guys are going to be, you know, exciting. Uh, that def defensive line is going to be rocking on all cylinders. He's right. Chris Kacerik won't let anything else happen. Um, it, it has to be this way. And plus, Daryl Tapp as well. Absolutely. Daryl Tapp is one of the unsung guys in this yes. group. Look, last year we had solo watch. This year it's probably going to be a lot of Kacerik watch. I'm really looking forward to everything this team has to bring. Cutback crew, we love you. Thank you for everything you do. 49ers fans, until next time, you stay safe. And remember the right way is, is always the 49ers, 49ers way. way.